is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! Welcome in to a very indie edition of Cowboys Break, everyone. Lindsey Draper, Dave Hellman, Kyle Yeomans, uh, right here from Radio Row. This is so fun. It's my first combine <laughs> as well as Kyle, but yep. Dave's yeah. the veteran here. This is his seventh. Hello. Wow. That makes me feel really old when you say it like Self-conscious that. Self-conscious a little bit yeah. when you're walking around. Abs- I like mean, everyone he hears knows at everyone. their first combine. I will, like, all right, I don't want to sound like old guy McGee. <laughs> Shout out Mickey. Uh <laughs> Sorry, wow. I'm sorry, Mickey. I just, <laughs> there wasn't a radio row the first time I came here, That's and wild. like you talk to like old reporters who covered this thing in the '80s, and it was like five reporters, and then it was wow. like a couple dozen reporters, and now like, I mean, every, every team, every team us. in the league has a radio station set up broadcasting what's going on. I mean, it's it's the biggest off-season event of the year, other than the draft itself. Yeah. So. It's, it has become a monster, and it's it's super fun to be here. Well, here's what we got coming up for you today in the break. I know you're one, wanting to know what we've been seeing, what these guys are going to be talking about coming up this week on the draft show. We'll give you a little taste. Draft show will be tomorrow at 11 a.m. Central. We're going to talk about what Steven uh, shared with us yesterday, as well as taking your Twitter questions that we asked for earlier. We'll get to that. So why don't we start with what you guys have been seeing? Obviously, a ton of buzz around Joe Burrow. And for the Cowboys, not media, just, just Tua. Just he's talking about the we're not he's the one talking about yeah. the Cowboys. Yeah, he is. And it's crazy That's, to see like that narrative kind of become uh, at the forefront. I mean, it was like, oh yeah, Tua's going to go as a top five quarterback. He's going to go here and there, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, I love the Cowboys though. And then he talked about the Cowboys again. Okay, but well, oh, 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 there's a difference there. Okay. He was asked about the By Cowboys who? today. Well, yeah, me, I was about to say By you who? were the one that I, asked I was. That question. I wasn't the only one, but no. I mean, okay. Is it super interesting that one of the best quarterbacks in the draft is a lifelong Cowboys fan and named his dogs Dallas and Star? Of course it is. But guess what? It's the most popular football team in the world. You know how many guys in every draft class probably grew up uh, Cowboy fans? Pretty good amount. Uh, Dak Prescott being one of them. Sometimes it works out and you get drafted by your childhood favorite team. Sometimes it doesn't. So, I mean, it's interesting. I don't buy the narrative that it means Tonga Vailoa is going to wind up on the Cowboys, but well, it's fun to talk about. And even with just the narrative overall of him liking the Cowboys and growing up as a Cowboys fan, whenever you get drafted by a team, what's a former Cowboys fan going to do whenever he goes to the other team? He wants to put a target on the Cowboys' back. Absolutely. And he wants to beat the Cowboys because he grew up a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. So even with the, the narrative that is there with, with Tua and the entire – I guess media row kind of talking about the the fact that he's oh my gosh he's a big Cowboys fan if he gets drafted by the Miami Dolphins at number five overall he's going to put on the Miami Dolphins helmet and he's going to want to beat everybody else in the NFL. There are no lukewarm reactions to the Dallas no. Cowboys. No. You, That's a great point. point. You love them or you hate them. You want to play for them or you want to beat them desperately. Yeah. And it just applies to everybody. So before we get into our conversation with Stephen Jones yesterday, Dave, we're walking in this morning. We run into a new running back coach 
Skip Pete. Yeah. Cowboys coaches are rolling in here. McCarthy is supposed to be here today. He might already be here uh, early afternoon. But things have changed. The schedule has changed. They're all kind of feeling it out and, and wanting to see their guys ASAP. Yeah, we actually just, I mean, you talk about the changes, and that's, you know, we kind of previewed it on the draft show last year. This is this is the first time the Combine's been this different in a long time. Uh, the drills are going in prime time now. The NFL is trying to turn this into a must-see TV event. And it's funny to see, like, obviously, like, we're scrambling. We've got to be adaptable. We don't know who's talking and when. But neither do these guys. That was yeah. – Skip Pete was like, when can I get my hands on these running backs? Like, when am I going to be part of these meetings? Like, they got drills at night. They got interviews with the league in the morning. Like, when, or when do I find some time? And, you know, talking to personnel guys around the league, you talk to the scouts – this thing is a headache for these guys because, again, this this used to be an information gathering session, and it has turned into information must, finding. It's, it's, well, it's, it's, it's must <laughs> must see TV right. for football dorks at least, sure. and so that's that is the adjustment that everybody's having to make right now. It's funny to see. You know, GMs and scouts and coaches are just as clueless as the rest of us about how all this is going to work because it's the first time they're doing all well, this. Well, and you even talk about the changes of the combine, but what about the coaching staff? I mean, this is the first offseason that this coaching staff has had meshing together, kind of trying to find those roles. Yeah. Now, I know they're professionals, but at the same time, you kind of got to get into a rhythm of being a staff, being a part of this franchise together. And doing that while also going through changes of the combine and the scheduling and just trying to find personnel. It's like uh, you talked about us being adaptable. When we talk about the draft overall, we kind of uh, it's still a, a guessing game in terms of what this coaching staff is going to see as their biggest priorities. Now, I know in off or in the offseason, you're going to look at the DAC contract and Amari and, and, and Byron. But in terms of the draft. Are they going to go defensive tackle? Is secondary where they want to attack it, or would they rather attack that in free agency? It's trying to figure out those, those, the ins and outs of the offseason as a coaching staff, but also having to deal simultaneously with the, the changes that the combine has had, period. It's interesting to think and about. And you mentioned all these things you're talking about. Steven touched on them yesterday. Yeah. So let's dive in. Let's go down the list. Steven Jones talked with us probably 20-ish minutes yesterday. Where do you want to start? In between CBA talk. I want you to kind of decode, Dave, because I know it's confusing. We've got dates. We're trying to get contracts done before, but the CBA is kind of hanging around, waiting to see what the players end up voting on. So can you decode that for us before we begin? So I'm... You know, NFL owners and franchises are aware of these things before they reach our ears. So I doubt that they were as caught off guard as the rest of us. But it is a hell of a wrinkle for the Dallas Cowboys that a new CBA is being considered right now. Uh, because it throws everything in limbo. And that was kind of the tenor of what I took away from Stephen Jones yesterday is there's a lot of different ways this offseason can go based on how that get deci gets decided. So if you need a primer... The CBA is entering the final year of its deal. If you remember 10 years ago to the lockout, they signed a 10-year deal. We've been going strong for 10 years. It's time for a new one. They are trying to get a jump on this and put a new one in place before it expires in the spring of 2021. For my money, I didn't think that would get decided until next year. And it still might not. Nothing has been approved. But the NFL owners agreed on a proposed CBA. You've probably read about it. Adding an extra week to the regular season. Taking away the preseason game. Changing drug testing rules. Uh, expanding the postseason. All of these crazy and, and massively different changes. And that needs to be decided. Uh, the NFL... The, um, the NFLPA's player reps are weighing it right now. They're considering whether they approve it. 
if the players approve it, then you've got an all-new CBA, which changes everything heading into the new league year. And all of that is within the next three weeks. Mm -hmm. And all of that is on top of the fact that the Cowboys are trying to negotiate a contract extension with Dak Prescott, Mm -hmm. with Amari Cooper. Probably not, but maybe with Byron Jones on top of all of the other business they've got to take care of. And Stephen Jones said it at the top of yesterday's interview. He was like, we need to wait and see how that pans out before we know how to go forward. And that's why, you know, sitting here, second day that we've been in Indy, the cow, there's not much in the way of updates in terms of where things stands with Dak, where it stands with Amari, because they need to see what type of league landscape they're working in before they do any of that. And type he of seemed stuff. very like handcuffed almost. And he was willing to talk and share, but he was very limited on what he knew is going to happen in a few days. And what was it? Seventy nine million dollars you're working with with the cap and roughly going to be in trouble. I mean, he s- said that we are going to be in trouble. So. It's, yeah. It's hard to quantify. <laughs> it's hard to quantify just how much it could change. Okay, I mean, one example of that being, you know, it's the rumored talk of if you're in the final year of the CBA, you can use a franchise tag and a transition tag at the same time. If a new CBA is agreed to, it's at least theoretically possible you take one of those tags away. All of a sudden, that's a tag you can't use can't on, use a, on Amari Cooper yep. or Byron Jones for that matter. Uh, you, you change the revenue sharing plan. You change how it affects the cap. The numbers could change based on what's agreed to. And for my, like, I get stressed out just talking about it. <laughs> and I actually, I talked to Stephen Jones after our interview yesterday. I was like, Stephen, does this kind of freak you out at all that, like, you basically have to have two, three, four different plans of attack based on what's going to happen here in the next three weeks. And all you can really do is wait and see what happens. And he was like, no, this is just it's, this is the world we live it's in. It's business and it's normal. But yeah. even at the same time, whenever you guys were talking yesterday, it was, he said, Franchise tags, we're, we're not going to speculate here. We're not speculating oh, one way or the we other. Got, how many, we got five or six not going to speculate. A ton of that. Because Lots of that. At the same time, even if you wanted to speculate, which, way, which direction are you going to? And, and that's what I'm with you. I mean, I'm stressing out over the fact of, uh, of having to deal with all of this, and I'm not even the one that has to make these decisions. None of us are. It's the select group of people that have been put into that spot, and they feel like they have a good grasp on it. But from the outside looking in, it looks like a little bit of a mess. It sure is stressful to me, man. So we're here in Indy. This kind of marks the beginning of this time of year. So Thursday, February 27th, that marks the first day that you can designate a player with the franchise tag. Uh, Two days. That's two days away. And And then you've got two weeks until the deadline. So you hear Stephen Jones. Probably the biggest snippet that came out of that is that he reiterated our goal is to sign Dak Prescott before we have to put the tag on him. He even went to say, heck, I thought we'd do it last year. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and I mean, that's, we can get into that if you want to, which is that the two sides haven't talked since September. Mm -hmm. Have not discussed. Have not made a lot of progress, Mm -hmm. but Stephen Jones is saying we want to have him signed in 17 days. That is a lot of work to do if you're going to avoid all of that. After hearing and after seeing what happened with Ezekiel Elliott and Mm -hmm. DeMarcus, do I even put it past him? Stranger things have happened. I mean, it would not surprise me. It really wouldn't surprise me. It almost feels like we need to gear ourselves up for it popping up in the next 17 days. Well, and sometimes that franchise tag is used as a placeholder, and that placeholder is to get a long-term deal done. The only problem with using the franchise tag as a placeholder is that there's four other deals that you want to try and get worked out, whether it See, be with your returning players or with guys in free agency. And that's that right there is the problem because I remember, you know, you talk about me being an old head. I come here all the time. <laughs> in 2015... 
it was Des Bryant. Yeah. And it was, we want to get a deal done. If we can't, we'll tag him. And that gives us until July to figure something out. Not very stressful in the grand scheme of things. But now you're talking about if we have to tag Dak, yep. does Amari Cooper hit the open market? Do we have another tag to use depending on the CBA? What about Byron Jones? There's, there's so many moving parts to this Cowboys offseason. And they're really important, by the way. Yep. A Pro Bowl quarterback, a Pro Bowl receiver, and by the way, an all-pro cornerback that like nobody wants to talk about. Just shoving Byron Jones off yeah. into Agree a corner. Agree with me on air that we really did get the vibe yesterday that Byron Jones might, yeah. there just might not be room. The writing has been on the wall, and, and Stephen Jones echoed it yesterday. He's, you know, he's like, we want to, I think his quote was something along the lines of, we want to visit with his people and see where they stand. He and, had a great run was yeah, something he said. It's, it that's rough to hear. It does not seem likely that the Cowboys think that they can fit Byron Jones into their financial plans. And it's interesting to get the Cowboys fans' takes on that because I hear so many just diff- opposite perspectives. Yep. Like, he, he should be the number one priority, and then another, you know, he, he gets no interception. You know what I mean? So Great cover just, corner, yep. doesn't yeah. get picks. It's all like literally all three of these guys, you would say they've been drastically important to what success the Cowboys have had over the last two years. Mm-hmm. They also have enough flaws in their game that you can't find a consensus. Like, there are people that don't want Dak. There are people that don't want Amari. And there are people that don't want Byron. And yet all three of them would break the absolute bank if they hit the open market. Now, yes. even, it is a weird spot to be. Even with all of that being said, though, like, the, the priority with keeping a franchise quarterback and then having a wide receiver that's a, a by far number one wide out in your offense those two things are going to still be priority number number one and two over keeping a cover corner. And I think I think Cowboys Nation and the, and the fans out there kind of got a little thrown off guard whenever uh, we, we heard Mike Nolan and the car wash that happened with the assistant coaches when he was saying, well, I, I'm not afraid of a guy that's throwing yeah. to the, the corner. I think Troy Aikman said something about it as yeah. well. That, he said, that, he, he talked, Troy, he, Mike Nolan said, you know, yes. Troy Aikman said, I'm not afraid of the guy that bats down balls. Exactly. I'm afraid of the guy that takes the ball the other and, way. And almost instantly wipe the memory of Cowboys fans. You have a lockdown corner who's been a great cover corner, yeah. an all-pro on your team, the kind of corner that you're going to spend the next five years trying to find, whether it be in the draft or in free agency, Which and you're letting him walk. They did. They Steven, right after that, funneled in and said, but hey, we're focusing on defense for the draft. I'm just yeah. going to come out and say that right now. We're, we're locked up on offense. We have good contracts that we like. We're going to go young. We're going to go defense. It's man, it, it's interesting because I hear what you just said. Yeah. It's so easy to make the case that it's easier to find a wide receiver in the draft and like replace that production yeah. ra- rather than give Amari Cooper $18, 20000000 million a mm-hmm. year. It's also easy to make the case that your Pro Bowl wide receiver makes a far bigger impact week in and week out than yeah. a cornerback, especially a cornerback who doesn't take the ball away. I think yeah. you can make a case for either one of them. I just know the odds that the Cowboys sign all three are very, very, very small. Low. And the writing seems to be on the wall about which they think is more important. Well, and even looking at the draft and looking at defense overall, the Cowboys have had zero success in finding defense in free agency at least over the last five years since 2015. It's I wrote this pretty. down. Uh, Quinn was a, a okay. well, trade, though. Trade, trade okay, more so right. than free agency. You're but, right. you're right. I mean, you look at three defensive tackles, and that's a, a, a notable position of interest for the Cowboys this offseason. Three defensive tackles have been signed since 2015. Christian Covington, Stephen Pio, and Cedric Thornton. 
Those are the three defensive tackles in free agency that have been signed by the Dallas Cowboys. I, th- I don't think it's a stretch to say, and I mean, for all intents and purposes, they acquired a veteran defensive end who got them 11 sacks yeah. during the offseason. You can't and they discount. did it for cheap, you can't, which was absolutely, huge. You can't discount Robert Quinn. But, okay, Robert Quinn, Randall Cobb yeah. last year, arguably the only really quality free agent veteran type additions that this team that has made had. in the last five years. And I think – People that don't want to see Byron Jones leave, I get why that scares them. Because yeah. if he's gone, Anthony Brown is also a free agent. Now you're looking and saying, well, we have Cheeto and Jordan Lewis, both of whom are entering contract years of their own, neither one of whom really inspires your confidence that, like, this is a lockdown Pro Bowl <laughs> guy. You know, maybe yep. maybe J. Lou could turn into that guy with some more playing time, but we haven't seen it. And you sit here and say, well, what are we going to do about yeah. our secondary if these guys are all gone? Like, I totally get why it's terrifying it for is. people that like the idea of keeping Byron Jones. Quick break here from the break in Indianapolis. When we come back, these two are going to give you their tease to the draft show, and we're getting to your Twitter questions, one of those including Dave in a Mardi Gras experience. Don't go anywhere. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too right above the subway well i bet you don't even notice it after the that's my neighbor angus a deal that's just okay is not okay get a great deal with america's best network come into an at&t store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for zero dollars down based on gws1 score september 2019 back to the break Welcome back to the break here on Radio Row in Indianapolis. And I've got Dave Hellman and Kyle Yeomans with me who are going to keep you posted on everything for the draft uh, this upcoming week. First, before we get into the Twitter questions, I love what you guys have sent in. What are you both most excited to watch, quote unquote, watch for the rest <laughs> of the week? You'll be here till Saturday, Sunday. Ooh. What's the best part, Dave? No, Kyle, you, you go want first. Me to go I first? need more time to think oh, about man. this. Yeah. Um, I'm excited really to kind of get to, to talk to some of these guys. And we've, we've already started that today. Uh, the quarterbacks and the wide receivers and the tight ends came in and did their media session and 
got to kind of at least talk with some of the guys. One of the, the favorite uh, individuals that I met with was James Prochet, the wide receiver out of SMU. Yep. Dallas guy, just a great guy overall. Um, and it, it seems like there's still that, that stigma of the, the Cowboys being uh, a favorite among some. K.J. Hill, wide receiver out of Ohio State from Arkansas, Apparently, he's a big Cowboys fan. Grew up a Cowboys fan because Jerry Jones uh, was an Arkansas guy as well. So it's fun just getting to know the background stories and and some of the the different uh, intricacies of these prospects because they're literally running around with a number and a position, and that's it. I know the names are attached to it as well for the most part. But this is a process that can get really impersonable for a while, but this is a good way to get personable with some of these guys. And you'll be doing some profiles on some of these guys for the Blitz, our off-season show coming up. So leading up to the draft, tune in for those and and get to know these guys better that could possibly be Cowboys, now the old head. (laughs) (laughs) You're just going to lean into that bit today. Dave, old head (laughs) I think it's just, you know, this is a good opportunity for guys to go a little bit more mainstream. There's There's so many good players here. You know, on the draft show, we do our best to spread it around, but you tend to get fixated on a, on a small number you of have players. You cats. Well, not, That's the thing. Not only do you have pet cats, but, you know, there's no way around it. We in the media are behind everybody else. Yeah. I mean, in, we're not in a scouting of, department. Yeah, inside the, you know, we're, we're behind the league in terms of who we need to be looking at. And so somebody this week is going to pop up on our radar. It's hard to believe now, speaking of Byron Jones, People knew who Byron Jones was going into the combine, mm-hmm. but he mm-hmm. made point. he made himself a household name yep. by World just record boy. absolutely destroying the combine. And that you know you got to be careful, obviously, because it's it's the underwear Olympics, and yeah. not every guy who can jump high or run fast is a good football player. But some of them are. Yeah. Byron Jones is an all pro. Took him a couple years to get there, but he's a damn good player, and he jumped into the national consciousness literally. Yeah. By having a great combine. So somebody's going to do that yeah. this week. That's and a great point. Who's going to be America's no. sweetheart? And I, there's a good bet it'll be a defensive player. Yes, because it will be. offensive yep. players steal the head. Like, we know who a lot of the offensive guys are. The, I mean, quarterbacks steal the headlines. You know the wide receivers, you know, Henry Ruggs. They're the ones that score the touchdowns and, on Saturdays. Well, and they're the yeah. ones that run the 4 2 I yeah. mean, you know, the Ruggses and Ragers of the world, people know those names. There's going to be some defenders, yeah. and that, and again, Lindsay, you said it in the first part of the show. Yeah, the Cowboys are going to consider everybody and do their due diligence, but they need defenders. Yep. They need cornerbacks, safeties, and defensive tackles, and we're going to learn a little bit more about those guys this week. And like I said, I, I'm I don't want to throw any names out there, but. Somebody's going to pop up that that we haven't been talking. We'll about. throw plenty of names out there oh, throughout the we week. We will do There's it be on the draft show. Yes, the draft be, show. Draft show is just going to be name dropping left <laughs> and right. It's going to be gross and loaded. Let's get ready for the Twitter questions. We asked you guys to send them in. So Mac is first up, guys, and he wants to know. We just said they're going to be drafting defenders, but I've gotten this question a lot via email as well. Is there a possibility of drafting a quarterback and letting him groom under Prescott for one year? We know the Mike White experiment failed, and a lot of people are not set on Cooper Rush being the backup. Yeah. Okay, but here's the thing, and I'm stealing this line from our good friend Dane Brugler, who we worked with for so long. Mm -hmm. The Mike White experiment didn't fail. Like, it didn't work out. It failed, Dave. No, it didn't. (laughs) It's a day three pick. It's like, right. um, and this it's is a low risk. You're right, thing. and I'm right. It's, I'm okay. It did not work out, but 
to say it failed implies that he's like this first round pick. Like it's a lot. It wasn't of, a bust. It's a it's a lottery game. ticket. You yeah. put okay. like it's like you spend a dollar fifty on a scratch off and win fifty thousand. So I mean, that's the goal. Again? I think they yes. should honestly. I they, think they will. I think by the time the draft is over, I think a quarterback will be taken by the Cowboys. I think. That, I mean, they need to figure out their backup situation, whether yep. it's Cooper Rush or a veteran from somewhere else. They got to figure that. I'm I'm not drafting a quarterback to be my backup. Sure. But I'm absolutely interested in using a day three pick to bring in a developmental guy. Yeah. Mike White was a fifth round pick, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Bring him on. Let's and there's go. A, there's a name that's been thrown around throughout the draft show process, but I like Anthony Gordon for that role. Washington, Washington State. State. Yeah. Uh, quarterback. He's he's kind of twitchy. He's got a little bit of footwork issue, but I think if the right coaches get a hold of him, he's got a powerful arm. He's got a cannon with a bullet of uh, passes that you can use throughout the course, and I, I feel like that's not the scout term for it all, <laughs> bullet passes. But, uh, I mean, I really think that this is a guy with a strong arm uh, and with the poise in the pocket. He had a nine-touchdown game this year in the Pac-12. Well, he, I mean, he played for Mike Leach at Washington exactly. State. Those guys put up Good the coaching, stupidest though. numbers in the world. It's great, but it's great to think about, but he's a project. That's yeah. what he is. He's not going to come in and be a starter or even contend for a starting job. Don't need him. That's where that's where I think a guy like he could thrive in a Cowboy system. We're like looking. It's, it's a lottery ticket. You buy low and, and hopefully sell high or, All right. or cash in one way or the other. <laughs> so it's a possibility, maybe a day three pick. Devin wants to know, referencing Stephen Jones answering questions about special teams yesterday, saying, okay, so if Chris Jones is injured, do the Cowboys have any plans to replace him this year and try and get better in that way? I haven't heard anything about that as of yet. Now, I mean, it's, it's still early. Like, I mean, Chris Jones isn't, sure. you know, the guys with the huge amounts of money are the ones that people always circle for restructuring or releasing, that type of stuff. Um, I haven't heard that about Chris Jones. And you're not, let's be real, you're not going to draft a punter anyway. Like, uh, so, you know. The I, Cowboys might not draft a punter. I think well, a punter will be taken. No, no, no. I, rhetorical you. Okay. Like, the Cowboys are not. Okay, I would be sure. shocked if the Cowboys draft a punter. You know, I mean. Um, Brandon Mann out of Texas A&M is pretty He's amazing. Good. And and Dixon, the Texas punter who yeah. uh, wound up in, in Seattle, Seattle, he's fantastic. Not to say you can't draft one. Yeah. I don't think the Cowboys will. Which, in that case, I would like to think they could bring in a punter to compete. But. I don't anticipate Chris Jones going anywhere in the near future. I think there are enough veteran punters out there that you don't have to address that need when it comes to draft time. And, I, and like you said, I agree. I don't think they're going to use one of their six picks at the moment. I know they might get a, a comp pick for uh, maybe a Cole Beasley in there somewhere. But I, I don't see one of those six or seven picks going to getting a guy like a Brandon Mann or a, a punter later in the draft. I think they would rather address backups and build depth yeah. more so than special teams. But I mean, I do. I get the. I get the question though. Yeah. Like, I mean, we kind of gloss over the fact that punting has not been great for this team for a couple of seasons. Well, and special teams is going to continue being a question. Yeah. I mean, a new coach with John Fossil. You, you're probably going to have to have a new punt returner. I don't know if Tavon Austin's going to be back in that spot again because no, he had multiple blunders throughout the course of the very, year. Very quietly, there is not much in the way of certainty yeah. about special teams is on this team. Kai Forbath coming back? Is Probably. LP Latticeur coming is back? LP he is Latticeur also a free agent. Yeah, there's so many – with some of these key roles in special teams, there's a lot of ways you can go. I just don't think the draft is one of those. No. Agreed. 
This is the question I've been looking forward to from our good friend, Bobby Belt. Nice. Now, this question is directed at Dave, but Kyle, I want you to just kind of chime in if you okay. think of something as well. And the question is, if Hellman had to compare his Mardi Gras experience to a prospect in this <laughs> year's draft, which prospect would it be and why? I appreciate you rewarding Bobby the Troll on our airspace. He deserves it, Bobby. Talking about Deserve my it. personal vacation time. Um, Quick uh, Mardi Gras experience for Dave this weekend. Made it here on two hours sleep. My Mardi, Gras, my Mardi Gras experience would be Henry Ruggs, the Alabama receiver. He might set the NFL record for fastest 40, and he is a joy to watch play, which is to say my Mardi Gras experience was very fast and very fun. I like I was, it. I was there for 48 hours. I'll give it to you. My memory's fuzzy, but I got to see a lot of friends. <laughs> uh, I drank a few beverages. I watched a few parades. Okay. And then I caught a flight to Indianapolis, and I'm here doing my job. So Ruggs. Henry Ruggs. Okay, I've got one for you, and it's a different Alabama wide receiver. Okay. It's Jerry Judy, and you know why? Why? He is 20 years old at the moment. He turns 21 on April, 24, uh, on April 24th. That is a great nugget. Because April He's going to have a hell of a draft weekend. Is the first round of the draft, yeah. which is in Las Vegas. So Jerry Judy will be in Las Vegas. I can almost guarantee it. Because the night he gets drafted in the first round, he's going to turn 21. What a So stud. that's why I, love that. I would compare scary. Mardi Gras to Jerry Judy. Which, thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Appreciate everybody One, I like I, I like that a lot. Man, I know the Cowboys need defense, but I would just be ecstatic to watch either of those guys play for the it's Cowboys. It's not going to happen. I'm convinced. Oh, stop. I'm convinced. That's going to be it. like the first segment on Wednesday. What if, it's happening. What, if a, what if Jerry Judy falls to 17 and you don't love any of the other options? Mm, I know he's not going it's to. It's not happening. Okay, well, that leads me to yeah. my next question. <laughs> Who do you think could potentially slide in the draft? Another question from Twitter. Hmm. See any potentials? Surprises? Hmm. What What were you guys reading on Twitter earlier that somebody said about Chase Young? Yeah, somebody on Twitter was talking about no, Chase Young. That's not it's, just. I don't. I don't even want to dignify that. I don't want to dignify that. Facetious. <laughs> it wasn't right. Like Chase, Chase Young's a top all. five pick. And I don't. It's not that's change. I mean, honest. Like the the biggest variable. The biggest variable in this whole draft right now is, I mean, it's over It's over talked about, but it's probably Tua Tungavaloa because yeah. if he's completely healthy and you feel confident about his ability, you could argue he's worth the number one pick in the draft mm -hmm. if you feel good about his health, which mm -hmm. that's the big debate. And if you don't, he could. you could see him slide. You could see him slide to the middle of the first. You could. I mean, I don't think it'll happen, but you could conceivably see him slide out of the first yeah. round if teams are just out. I mean, you know, we talk about this, and we'll get into it on the draft show. Is like, you get your medical evaluations here in Indy. Yep. According to Tua, everything looks good. But they do another thing called the medical recheck, where guys with medical concerns get rechecked. See how that, you know, yeah. it's, no, right, that it's, it's right it's, there in the it's name. good name, yeah. Uh, you get rechecked, and that's where, you know, red flags start to pop up. Like, oh... X so and so team is out on yeah. on this player because they just don't feel good about his knee. The Cowboys have done it before. The one that broke my heart a few years ago was Jay Ajayi, the Boise mm -hmm. State running back. Uh, the Cowboys didn't feel good about his knee. A lot of teams didn't, yeah. uh, and and it dings you in your draft board. So, Tua's health is going to mean everything because if he's healthy, he's a top five pick. If he's not, who knows where he yeah, goes? Yeah, I think seeing a quarterback slide is going to be a little bit tougher this year, especially because there are so many teams that need quarterbacks. I think you're going to see 
more teams even get in the mix by trading up. Yeah. I think there's going to be teams that aren't in the top 15 that are going, going to go up and try and get a guy like Tua or Justin Herbert or Jordan Love that are all up in that, that top-tier quarterback category. But I, I would see maybe a defensive guy like uh, Javon Kinlaw. I mean, I know we've talked about Kinlaw nonstop throughout the course of the draft show because he's a defensive tackle. He's a three technique that just bullies people in the middle of an offensive line. He can have a little bit of pass rush there, too. There's a lot of great things about Javon Kinlaw, and his knee tendonitis kind of flares up every now and again. It did it in the middle of the season, did it senior bowl week. Absolutely. Says he's good to go this week, and through the, the, the medical checks this week said that, hey, everything is fine. That's good and dandy, but if the rechecks come back and there's something a little bit wrong with that knee tendonitis and the rehab doesn't necessarily go as right as you would expect, or you turn around and maybe he hurts himself at a pro day in a workout whenever he's doing his on-field stuff. So I think a guy like that might slide a little bit more so than maybe a quarterback would. But even then, I think Ken Law's kind of talent, that could still go top 15 even with a little bit of the injury issues. Next question from Ruben. Will McClay has always been more of a big school guy in drafting. Do you think this will change slightly with McCarthy's input, or how is that whole dynamic going to work? Hmm. I have to see it to believe it. Um, and, and, I mean, Mike McCarthy and his staff are going to have their own ideas and values and opinions about the way this goes. But, you know, I think and, – and Will McClay and Stephen Jones have both kind of said this over the last month or so is like – they're not overhauling the way they do this. Yeah. They're, you know, they're they're tweaking and, you know, you know, maybe it, it sounds like Mike McCarthy and Mike Nolan want a bigger mold of defensive linemen. That's obviously doable. Rod Marinelli really liked smaller, faster defensive linemen. Maybe you want to bulk up, but again, you're not overhauling this thing. And I think until I see otherwise, I think it's a foundational piece of what they want to do that they're looking for guys that have played under the bright lights that have done it on a big stage, that are not wowed by the idea of being a Dallas Cowboy, mm. uh, especially with your early picks. And that's, you know, and I, I hate to throw his name out there. He's a great player, but Kyle Duggar, yeah. I mean, we've talked about him a lot. Lenore Ryan. Lenore Ryan, which I had never heard of until I found out about Kyle Duggar. I just would have to see it to believe it because, I, you know, you look at where the Cowboys get their players from. Notre Dame, Ohio State, Boise. Boise State, which is it's a smaller program, but still on the upper echelon. And it's sure. one of the best mid-major programs in it's college football. It's a perennial football. top 25 team. Exactly. Um, Mississippi State, the SEC, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's what they favor. And, and I think it's a smart strategy, honestly. Yeah. I would just have to see him go away from it before I believed it. Just to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, I'm not saying – that I disagree with you because I, I agree in the fact that I think I'd have to see it to believe it. I think they'd have to take maybe one or two of those small school guys for me to maybe see a, a, a shift in the thought process. But there's a lot of small school guys in this draft that are going to make an impact. Adam sure. Troutman out of Dayton. Uh, you've got, you already mentioned Kyle Duggar out of Lenore Ryan. Guys like Ben Barch from St. John's, one of the top off offensive linemen that we've talked about uh, in the draft. And I know we don't talk a ton of offensive linemen, but then you got like Tyler Bass out of Georgia Southern. I mean, there's a lot of solid players are. that are going to be in day two, maybe early day three of this draft that are in positions of need for the Cowboys. And I think that might kind of lend to it. And like you said, the, the earlier draft picks, if you're not going to see uh, – a Georgia Southern player taken at 17. That's not going to happen. You're going to see a South Carolina or a Clemson or an Alabama, something big time with somebody that's proven against a tough schedule and has proven themselves 
but in terms of the later draft picks and guys who maybe didn't necessarily have that schedule and that strength of schedule on the other side, I think you could see some guys go. And you, oh, you will. Yeah. No, I'm not. You absolutely will. I just don't think it'll be by the Dallas Cowboys. That's, well, I'm saying like it could be by the Dallas Cowboys. I have to see it to believe it. Okay. And that, and I'm not necessarily saying I'm right because yeah. obviously somebody from a small school is going to be great. It happens be really good. Happens all the time. But I will. I'm going to go back to that well of SEC, Big Ten, ACC, every time, and I'll hit way more often than I don't. 100%. Whereas, like, which and I just like. It's just an easier pool to f- it's it's an easier pool to fish from, yeah. and I'll miss on some like some small school guys that I don't draft will be great. Yeah, but I'm still I'm not even interested in taking the risk. Honestly, it's just like give me the guy that's played against the best more often than not. Jason wants to know, considering the lack of rookie production in 2019, of course there wasn't a first round pick, mm-hmm. and the roster turnover. <laughs> nice throw that. Just throw that. Like, wait, no, but they didn't have a first round pick. But no, he references Hill, Tristan yeah. Hill, and oh. McGovern. It's a disappointing just draft. A very disappointing draft. So far, so, so far. Will they be going all in on contribute now type of players? Jason is asking. I was just refreshing everybody <laughs> that Tristan. Yeah. Anyways. Um, I mean. I say this all the time. In your first three rounds, first, second, third round, they better be ready to contribute. Yeah. And last year, uh, I don't want to call it unlucky. I mean, they made the trade for Amari. They did that consciously. And they insisted on drafting Tristan Hill. So, like, I'm not calling that luck. Um, But I think there's every reason to believe that that they can get that because more often than not, they do. You know, uh, 18 – you get Leighton Van Der Esch, a starting linebacker. Connor Williams, a starting guard. Michael Gallup, who looks like a really big find. Uh, 2017, obviously, Taco Charlton's a disappointment. But even in that draft, yep. you get two starting caliber players. Actually, three if you count Xavier Woods. He's a day Which three guy. Which probably would. Uh, and then, you know, 2016, that's a once-in-a-generation type of draft. But m- more often than not, I trust them to find contributors in those early rounds because they've done it way more often than they haven't. I would agree completely. I think this has to be a draft where you have to hit on a couple of guys which you want to keep that winning window open. I don't think the pressure has ever been greater on Will McClay and his staff because, again, they're going to give out so much money, Mm -hmm. whether, you know, Dak, Amari. We'll see how it all plays out. But the way you afford big-name contracts like that is by hitting – on your draft picks, you have to have guys balling out on cheap contracts yep. to be successful when you're paying that kind of money. So first, second, and third round, they better be contributors. Be and good. Pre- preferably, they better be like starting caliber contributors. And it's got to be in positions of need as well. Yeah. I mean, unless you wanted to go the, the what we've t- coined as the 40-burger route in the draft show and draft a wide receiver early, it, other than that, it needs to be secondary, defensive line, tight end potentially depending on what you think of that position there's a lot of different needs here and with the window seemingly closing on the the era of the or at least the the not era but at least the the modern cowboys potentially trying to win another super bowl with some of these young talents on cheap contracts with all of the money that's man shelled out with that closing you've got to hit on a couple of if guys. they get the same contributions from their first three picks as they did last year yeah it's not going to be good they will be talking about how 2020 was a disappointing <sighs> season i mean and that's so scary do you have hope for tristan hill this season um i have a little bit i'm not i'm not going to go as far as to say i have hope but i'm just not ready to close the book that's not fair to yeah. him it's not it's not fair to him to just again i mean byron jones was a disappointment two years into his career let alone uh, actually three uh, he did not really hit his stride as a great player, which 
you need it to be faster than that. Like they can't afford to wait two more years for Tristan Hill to be good. Mm -hmm. But it's still it's not fair to call his career a bust after one season. But a, a top what he was picked fifty eight. A top sixty player should play regularly and not be a healthy scratch not exactly. be a healthy scratch i mean yeah even you know michael gallup was nowhere near as good his rookie year as he was in year two he still started and caught 40 balls and was part He's contributing he was part of a reason of their success he wasn't struggling to make a roster right which was kind of the issue and he hill. was taken 20 spots after Afterwards. tristan hill like well, it's it's there's no there's no way to defend it but it's too early to say that that's going to be his entire career. And with a different coaching staff, too, sure. yeah. it, it, it throws a new wrinkle into this to where it's either going to to sink or swim. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is going to be for, for and, Tristan Hill. And Maybe this year or next year. You, you obviously you, you lose a great defensive line coach in Rod Marinelli, but yeah. Jim Tom Sula has that's been your boy. I, I Jim, <laughs> yeah, boy. I want to get a beer with Jim Tom Sula. I is doubt he. he cat? I doubt he listens to the break, but uh, Jim, let's go. We're in Indy. Come we'll find me. To him. Uh, find a way. <laughs> I feel like if you told him to listen to it, he'd be like, "Sure, where do I get it?" Yeah, seriously. Like, it's on Twitter, and be like, "The what?" But he has coached a lot of great defensive linemen. He has been around the NFL, so. He can help Tristan Hill maximize his talent. Um, it's too early to call his career a, a, a bust, but, I mean, there's no way around the disappointment of that rookie season. Quickly referenced Leighton Vander Esch a moment ago, and are you worried after hearing from Steven yesterday saying, you know, things are okay, but, I mean, we're going to have to take it slow coming up the, these next few months? I'm not worried because of what Steven said. So if you didn't, if you didn't listen or, or read it, Steven Jones said, you know, Everything sounds good. We continue to get f positive feedback after his surgery. That said, you know, we're going to have a plan for him. We're not just going to throw him in there. We probably won't completely let him loose until uh, training camp. Um, so I'm not worried by those comments. I'm just worried because neck, in in, neck yeah, injuries in football are terrible yeah. thing. Like neck and back are the yeah. two injuries you do not want to hear about. Well, and especially with a linebacker uh, playing yeah. downhill, the trying most physical to make a tackle. position in the game. Exactly. Yeah. You, you don't want to hear about neck injuries. And I think it goes all the way back. My worry for Leighton Vander Esch goes back to the press conference that Jason Garrett had after the injury was happening. We goes, don't think it's career threatening. Yeah, it's not career threatening. I mean, everybody was like, I wasn't thinking that. You're like, that nobody originally. said it was, Jason. Well, Why didn't you bring it up? Now that you've brought that up now, I think it might be. Yeah. So it, it really stems from that. I don't think it will hinder his career now i mean he's gonna miss some time for it but i would rather them take the the route that steven talked about and take it extremely slow and not risk potentially ruining his career or ending his career prematurely let's take it slow invest in what was a first round pick and at least make sure that he's good to go for yeah. the remainder of his career which it kind of goes, you know, I'm going to tie this back to the top of the show. Watch me do this. There we go. Put you know, a bow on it, Let's Dave. do it, Dave. There's so many, there's so many elements with, with this CBA and with these contracts. Yeah. Jerry Jones uses this phrase all the time. You have to have a tolerance for ambiguity. And that's, you know, there's, there's two camps of people. There are people that are like, Leighton's going to be fine. He'll be a pro bowler again in 2020. And there's people that are like, his neck's hurt. He'll never walk again. We have to draft a linebacker. And it's yeah. like, you can find some common ground in there and say, I'm definitely concerned about his long-term health, yeah. but we just drafted him, and I'm just going to give their medical process the benefit of the doubt and say these guys know what they're doing. Not saying he's 100% fine, but you just kind of have to wait and see and say we'll, we'll carry this thing through. And, you know, if we're still having this conversation about his health next year, it's a completely different conversation. But yeah. right now I'm willing to believe 
that he can regain his health and his all-pro form, and we don't have to worry about this. Let's and it's, it's like people are always in a rush to declare, this is a five-alarm fire, <laughs> we have to do something, or this is nothing, shut up. And it, it can be in the middle somewhere. Just don't knee-jerk reaction right, which, to a guy's career. Yeah. Potentially. But that goes I mean, against the nature of this very business. Yeah, that's so for true. sure. That's My so guys, true. we are out of time. My guys. Already? Give me a couple nuggets that we're going to just hear from you guys all throughout the we week. Just, what are you going to be talking about? We just gave you all our nuggets. No, yeah, we've got to go find new things some. now. You better have saved some. We got draft shows all the rest of the yep. week. Uh, shoot, Mike McCarthy hasn't even talked. He'll be doing that later this so week. So tomorrow you're getting like a real... Oh, yeah. Scoopage with Mike Which McCarthy. The, yeah. The dang drills don't even start until Thursday. So, like, we're just ramping up. So, we'll have drill results. We'll have Mike McCarthy. Jerry Jones is going to talk Player at some point. When and where does Jerry talk? Uh, that's a big TBD, my friend. Wow. You won't be here, though. But usually wow. it's at the end of the week. I, around the bus? Yeah, we're going to go on Jerry's bus and have a chat. It's it's fine. I'll wait for that. It's going to be good. Which <laughs> but I I'm not lying. I don't know when. That's we it's like No, 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 no. They don't tell us. We yeah. just stay ready. It's like Oh, we're always ready. It's like you get a self-destruct message in the mail that's like this is where, like, be here at 2 o'clock on Friday. Well, you're going to be yeah. the Raiders and the Chargers and the Texans, and you're going to be sitting at your radio row table, and then all of the Cowboys staff is just going to book it out of the radio yep. row. Oh, yeah. And that's what it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's going to look like. It's going to look like there was a fire drill, and the only ones that knew about it were the Dallas Cowboys media. I that's what's going to be. can't wait. wait. <laughs> Kyle, Dave, Lenz, thank you guys for tuning in to this little shindig of the break. Catch them the rest of the week right here from Indy. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?